Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, it's, you know, we're, it's a bet, it's, it's a better week this week. Air quotes. I don't know. Like, I mean, is it even a week? Is it a week? Yeah, no, it's been uh, listeners. Obviously, since the last time we recorded uh, the 2020 presidential election has been called for President elect Biden and and Vice President elect Harris. Um, did you watch the speeches? I watched some of the their sort of acceptance speeches. I watched all of hers and then a little bit of his, but not all of it. Um, but I've seen clips and stuff too, so I'm good. Um, mostly, I'm I'm wondering how hard people in the White House are working to ha- keep him away from cameras mm-hmm. because it's bizarre to me that he has not done anything. Yeah, given it's... his just general proclivity for wanting to be the center of attention. Like, how has he not, like, called in everywhere a bunch of times, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought as a bit of TV in a pandemic, they did a pretty darn good job with the rally, um, doing the the drive-in mm-hmm. things to, to yeah. ensure distancing, the, like, combo of fireworks and drones, I thought was neat. Um, the I was like, I watched the speeches, I, I was particular. I was, yeah, I was surprised and heartened to hear at least the first times I can ever remember uh, uh, indigenous people and native Americans being specifically mm-hmm. referenced in. Uh, oh, it's easily the first time in our lifetime by yeah. far and away. <laughs> and as well as um, disabled Americans and citizens. Also uh, the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. I mean, there were plenty of notable things, but those two really stood out to me um, a lot. Cause the other, the other significant mentions I expected, I did not anticipate those two. And I was very, heartened like i said um i thought it was a good like i I was like oh and they're done they're not still rambling oh this is gonna be so nice oh this is one of the tiny little fringe benefits that i had not realized that i uh would cherish now that we are headed into um uh the biden uh, harris administration with the assumption that the republicans do not uh, facilitate a coup but <laughs> ask us about that in what 70 days something like that a little bit around that number yeah around that number yeah it's gonna um, be fun yeah it's not it's not gonna be fun in the words of john king it'll be fun and in my words it will not be fun yeah so uh thank you to the listeners who have been checking in on us <laughs> from overseas mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. see how we're doing we appreciate you um there was there is other stuff this week uh, we're not going to engage with. Besides, I mean, I will just say, oh, God damn it, Alton Brown. Um, if you if you don't know, then look it up. If you don't care, then don't. Um, but yeah, that. Yep. Yep. I was not surprised. Not yeah, Not surprised. <laughs> just like, really, this is what you're going to. OK. And the, but I was surprised to see people somehow misinterpreting the message as a pro-Trump message as opposed right. and the outrage is being people mad at Alton Brown because he was pro-Trump when that's not at all why, why we're mad at him. Um, but that's, that's already too much 
air and space and and mind and attention given to Alton Brown. Um, what what a ways I've come on that celebrity figure. Um, but let's instead spend some time on a much more uh, precious and beloved celebrity figure, which is the late and oh so delightful Alex Trebek. Occasionally petty, occasionally bitchy, but we I, I appreciate him. And even if he doesn't get nerdcore rap and nerdcore hip hop and it takes far too much joy in insulting the very nice lady who is, you know, giving an underknown genre a little, you know, boost of awareness. Um, he still is delightful, and uh, I, I will certainly miss his presence. I, you know, obviously having, you know, he he was very public with his diagnosis with pancreatic cancer and his um, struggle and fight with, uh, you know, his health and everything. So this does not come as a particular surprise. Uh, pancreatic cancer is often horrible and very uh-huh. quick acting once it's, once it's discovered and diagnosed. Um, but he will be, uh, he's meaning an icon. He's an absolute yes. icon. He will be missed. Yeah. He's host. He had to host Jeopardy for as long as I'd been alive. He started hosting in 1984, which is the year I was born. And so he's been on TV. He had been on TV as long as I've been alive, which is just wild for me to think about. Um, and like, any number of people I grew up watching him on Jeopardy. Um, he did a number of game shows prior to Jeopardy. Like he bounced around a number of shows. Um, but Jeopardy is where he found a home and where Jeopardy found it's among its many iconographic um, bits of what defines Jeopardy. Nothing defines it more than Alex Trebek. So it was a big kind of loss. Like I was washing dishes and my partner came in and told me and I just like dropped everything into this thing. (laughs) Um, And I was having a bad morning already um, or a bad afternoon. I forget uh, exactly when, but it was just, I was not in a great space. And then I was just like, oh, great. One more thing. Um, But yeah, it's going to be, I'm going to miss Trebek on Jeopardy, even though like I'm very much a lapsed viewer, but Jeopardy is basically the only game show that I, if I come across it, I leave it on. Mm-hmm. Um, because who doesn't love shouting at your TV <laughs> when you think you know something? Um, and that was one of the joys with Trebek is just that encouragement of knowledge, that encouragement of curiosity, but also the fact that he could be a petty bitch sometimes. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm really going to miss him, but also in terms of sheer pop culture weirdness of, you know, so we meet again, Trebek. <laughs> oh, um, it's so good. <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like that's how I most want to celebrate Trebek is with like the just the 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 various sketches uh from from snl i watched a bunch of celebrity jeopardy over the weekend i'm not gonna lie yeah (laughs) snl celebrity jeopardy it's so good and or and also black jeopardy which is not involves doesn't involve him or an impression of him at all but yet still feels like a tribute in some way to you know a reaction you know yeah well no absolutely because it really taps into this idea of like cultural exchange while also calling attention to the fact of what Jeopardy considers knowledge. Mm-hmm. So there's both an there's both an acknowledgement of Jeopardy as a force, but also Jeopardy as a force of normalization of what is considered knowledge. 
yeah. and what is relevant for knowledge. Um, and I, there's both a love and a critique in the Black Jeopardy sketches of Jeopardy in and of itself. Yeah. And uh, let, let's not forget our other, I assume, certainly my other favorite Alex Trebek uh, thing, which is, of course, his episode of The X-Files. <laughs> so amazing. Yes. Very good. I mean, like, also just the body of Ventura, sure. But, and it's not Alex Trebek. It's just someone who looks like Alex Trebek, played by Alex Trebek. And that was one of the other things, and whether or not this was Trebek or like Merv Griffin and the rest of the production company, but Jeopardy popped up on so many shows in any number of ways, especially sitcoms like um, Cheers, Golden Girls. Um, I'm already running out in my brain, but those are the two that immediately spring to mind because those were the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were just there. And it again, it speaks to the fact that you could do that kind of a reference of Jeopardy and everyone gets it because everyone watched Jeopardy. Um, because that's how huge it was. And I mean, hell, we still answer things in the form of a question sometimes. And that's just Jeopardy's uh, influence. So um, we're talking like Jeopardy got canceled, but in a, in a sense it did. But um, I'm going to miss Trebek, but I'm also excited for, I guess, Ken Jennings taking over. Um, that's where my money is. Yeah, but, that could happen. Yeah. I saw some people pushing for LeVar Burton. Um, oh, but Burton would be so good. He would be very good, but I feel like for him, I always just connect because I connect him so strongly with reading Rainbow and like the yeah. more personal connection. But that's yeah. part of what made Trebek such a strong host is those like uh, exuding a warmth and humor without like having the substance to like earn that. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he would be great, of course, as well. But, um, you know, we'll see what they decide to yeah. do. I mean, maybe the producers will just decide to piss off the fandom and put James Hollowitz in. They won't. <laughs> they will not put him in charge. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? No. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, yeah. 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 So if you have a favorite Jeopardy moment, let us know. I did not. I was not aware of some of the ones that have been going around. So I've mm-hmm. really been enjoying those this past week. Like the guy who, um, who bet the low like lower so that he could set up a triple win so that they would have to pay out to all of the people yes oh it's so beautiful um listeners if you don't know what we're talking about search it up you'll you'll find it just like jeopardy triple win have you watched the video of um trebek saying genre no is there it's, it's a super cut of genre or something like that yes it is it's very good <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Like another thing that's just like it's like the closing right of a chapter is just watching celebrities get to lose their shit when they are a clue on Jeopardy. Yes. And like, oh, I got Alex Trebek said my name. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, like like you said, 35 years mm-hmm. on on TV. Uh, that's just a background and like not like something that you can have uh, a strong opinion on aside from like it or not interested like how yeah. do you hate alex trebek can't be done i mean like i'm sure someone has found a way there the internet exists but like really it's just uh for those who were drawn to the show like jeopardy and this uh, sensibility like his um a stable presence whenever you wanted to to you know homesick from school or uh you know a, a day off of work or whatever lounging around you could always put it on Jeopardy, and that was like a constant pop culture thing throughout the year. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> R.I.P. Alex, Tre- Alex Trebek. 
Um, today, uh, at the end of the show, we will be doing another DVD shelf. We figured, uh, or at least I should say, I figured it was, again, time for some more joyful and fun TV. So we, we're continuing our journey back into uh, older sitcoms with Living Single, which I had seen some of. So definitely, I had not seen any girlfriends. I had seen some Living Single, but it was still fun to go back and catch up with a bunch of episodes from that this week. That'll be at the end of the show. Yeah, we're flipped. I hadn't seen any of Living Single. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm actually really glad that we ended up flipping between War Rules and Girlfriends. So that's great. Yeah. So that'll be, like I said, at the end of the show. But for now, we've got a full week in TV. So let's all enjoy Amber Ruffin and Tarek Davis uh, as they sing Catatonic. Uh, I We used Supersonic on the podcast not that long ago. Uh, but I don't care because this is delightful. So enjoy. We'll be right back with our week in TV. Catatonic. I'm catatonic. There's this guy running for prayers and he's kind of a jerkin. When I think about him winning, well, my body stops working. Catatonic's how I feel thinking about the election. Because the shit is not over. Could go in any direction. Like little Bo Peep in her cute little bonnet. These critters giving me the creeps now. I'm catatonic. I'm I'm catatonic. catatonic. I'm catatonic. I'm just a shell of a man. I barely exist. Even though we are voted, they're still not done and I'm pissed. Been nervous about the election since early last year. I knew that things would get bad, but yo, I had no idea. That was Catatonic um, from the Amber Ruffin Show. Of course, performed by Amber Ruffin and Tarek Davis. Uh, so, like, just like especially because like that came out before the election was called on Saturday. And after a stressful week of like doom scrolling and finishing both seasons of The Repair Shop that were on Netflix... Uh, that still are until a couple weeks from now. Um, that was exactly how I'm sure so many people felt. They just nailed it so completely. Had to, I immediately saw that in a hat. It was like, this is our song for this week, heading into the week in TV. There's nothing else we could, I don't have much more to say about the episode, but yeah. I wasn't not going to include Catatonic. So listeners, if you want to hear the rest of that, get the to YouTube, get the to Peacock and watch the most recent episode. Um, this week in TV, we're not talking about the Amber Ruffin show, but we are going to kick things off with Noel talking about the season premiere of Mom, the newly on a Ferris free mom. The episode is Sex Bucket and the Grammar Police. Then we'll talk about Superstore California Part 2, which sees the uh, the departure of Amy from the show in America Ferrera specifically. Then we've got Wilmore, November 7, 2020, results, dot, dot, dot. Uh, then The Mandalorian, Chapter 10, um, uh, the passenger, and then mm-hmm. uh, the amazing race. You don't strike me as a Renaissance man. And finally, we'll round things out with the Great British Bake Off, nineteen eighties week. So first up is Mom and uh, Anna Ferris no longer on the show, despite you know being one of the central two moms. Uh, yes. The show seems like it was probably going to be fine without her, considering it wasn't all that interested in her character. Um, to my, as my understanding, at least not watching, having watched most of it. Um, how did this premiere handle her departure and does it seem like it's in good shape? Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Um, mom is a show that, as I've said on this podcast for a couple of years now, is constantly retooling itself. 
Um, and I think the departure of Christy, played by Anna Faris, isn't going to impact things too much. Like you say, um, Christy has sort of fallen to the wayside to a certain degree on the show. Um, as the writers get more interested in Bonnie, played by Allison Janney, and the rest of the women that make up the group. And uh, Kristen Johnson's uh, promotion to series regular last season really kind of solidified Anna Faris sort of fading away a little bit. Um, Her stories had never really gone anywhere, and she was feeling increasingly disconnected from the rest of the ensemble. Um, Even though the flips, the big loss here is that Anna Faris has such a unique and really different energy from the rest of the cast, um, in part because she's significantly younger and her character is significantly younger, that I'm going to miss that aspect of Christy a great deal. But the show on a whole really doesn't lose much of its luster or reason to watch without her, which is sad to say, but also reassuring as well, because at eight seasons, you're pretty well locked in to what your rhythms are going to be. So Christy is off on the East Coast. Uh, she got a law, she got a scholarship to go to law school. Um, and that's where she is. That's how they wrote her off. Um, she doesn't appear in the episode at all. But yeah, that's it. Um, the rest of the episode is fine. It sets up a storyline that's going to continue, I think, for a few more episodes now regarding um, Johnson's character um, reconnecting with her father, who is in prison. Um, but we'll see what other storylines they have set up. Um, I'm kind of curious about the show dealing with the fact that Bonnie is now officially an involuntary empty nester. And what that looks like for her and how she responds to not having Christy around. Um, I think that there's a lot of both dramatic stuff for them to mine. And the mom is not a show that shies from that kind of material, but also a lot of comedic stuff, um, especially considering the fact that Christy often worked as a buffer uh, when Bonnie was being Bonnie. And now there is no buffer. So I'm really curious about how the show's dynamics shift a little bit without Christy there to help temper Bonnie in certain ways. So we'll see going forward. I'm obviously going to keep watching. I really enjoy this show. Um, but the ensemble remains really Cracker Jack strong. Um, my only last thing to say is that now it's Wendy's turn. It's Wendy's turn! <laughs> Wendy will come to the forefront and be the main character. It's not going to happen. Wendy will never be the main character of the show, and that's very sad because I like Wendy a lot. Anyway, that's how I feel. It was a solid premiere. I'm going to miss Anna Ferris. But the show will probably be just fine without her. Well, speaking of, we're not going to get a better transition than that. Superstore had California Part 2. And uh, how is Superstore going to be without Amy? What did you think about our farewell to America Ferreira? I think it's okay. Like, I didn't love this episode. Um, Like you and I had sort of um, anticipatorily bemoaned anything that they came up with wasn't going to be particularly satisfactory. And lo and behold, this was not particularly satisfactory, at least for me. I'm curious to know what you think. Um, But I just found the... I found it very clumsy in how they positioned Amy's emotional state with this move. I really liked it as a concept of, am I rushing into this again? Am I just doing this because this is what I'm expected to do? Or is it because I've just kind of, once again just kept going through inertia. 
And I think that there's a lot of really interesting concepts to that when you're talking about doing a new job but versus a new relationship and all sorts of other interesting things. The show didn't do enough in season five to set that up. And so when you get all this stuff spilling out with the finale, which immediately is, admittedly is truncated, but is also not probably not super changed from how they were going to handle this anyway, um, prior to doing the finale in season five. Um, it's just, it doesn't hit as hard as I think they wanted to, particularly when um, um, Jonah makes up the good point about uh, them being essentially co-parents and all this sort of stuff. And the show just, there's too much baggage, I think, for the show to really make that work. And so it mostly kind of falls flat as much as I really do enjoy like the um, slideshow of like pictures and everything. It's a nice little moment for both Amy and for the audience to remember America Ferreira on the show. But on a whole, it was just kind of a it, w- it wasn't as bittersweet as I wa- was hoping it was going to be. And instead just ended up being kind of bitter, which is maybe more true to life, but just. It was just unsatisfactory from an emotional level for me anyway, and from a character level. Um, How did you feel about this? I thought that, I mean, I hadn't considered the element of her getting married so young to not necessarily the right person or for the right reasons. Um, And Uh so when they brought that in, I was like, oh, actually, no, that well done writers. That makes sense. That ties in with things from before and, and could be appropriate. However, with that said, um, the the notion that she's going to move across the country now with her teenage daughter and a baby and no one else she knows and no other support system and not not Parker's father there and now Jonah's not there and they're not going to be there like. That I had trouble believing that <laughs> I had trouble yeah. buying that. Like, if, even if they had just mentioned, like, oh, well, and my aunt's out there too, so she's gonna stay with us for a while. Like, some even just something, you know, could have worked. Mm-hmm. Or like, or my brother's coming out to help us, you know, get adjusted to the move, and then he's gonna come back. You know, like anything. I, how is she going to start a high-powered corporate job? She's gonna leave Emma with Parker. Like, until she gets a sense of, like, who a good nanny is or, like, they get moved into the house or, like... And you can't have a nanny anyway. There's still a pandemic going on. There's still a pandemic going. (laughs) So, like, that, you know, like, the notion that, like, I thought they pushed too hard at the marriage elements. Yes. But, uh, and, 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 like, having Jonah be talking about, like, spousal death benefits and stuff was awkward and, like... It was funny, but it was, it was, it didn't work. It was funny. I thought it was funny, yeah. They got, like, they they skipped, like, two or three steps, right? Mm -hmm. Because he wouldn't just be like, oh, look, there's actually a spousal. So he would be like, so if we get married, then you better watch out. Kind of, like, if so if he said something like that, that would have felt a lot more organic than, like, so you better watch out because I'm going to kill you because it's, like, because obviously we're getting married. I don't don't even have to talk about that. When that's not, like, they could have seeded a conversation around marriage and long-term plans earlier in the season when, when they knew that Ferreira was planning to leave the show and they didn't, and they should have, because then this would have felt like a much more uh, cohesive, like end to that arc. And, and as far as the list of contrivances, like it's a good reason. It's a responsible reason. It's a reason that makes sense for the, their characters. But like, if you have to say, I love you, I love you completely with my whole heart, but I don't want to get married. So we're going to break up. 
head is dumb. <laughs> and this doesn't make sense. And this is a, and like, oh, well, I didn't actually ask you to come. You sort of invited yourself to California. Like, this is, like, they've been living together. Like, like, like he says, like Jonah says, they've been living together for a while. They've been on and off dating for years. And he's been co-parenting with her infant. So, like. That's ridiculous. It's, it's, it is not ridiculous for him to assume that they are, if not planning to get married, because maybe she's turned off from marriage, but they are planning a long-term commitment. Yes. Like, they are mm-hmm. they are already in a long-term commitment. So to have this sort of framed as a out-of-the-blue thing rather than a simmering tension that is, like, thrust into the spotlight because of their circumstance didn't work, I did yeah. not think. And I agree that I was expecting it to be a little more... Um, uh, yeah, bittersweet or just like a little sappy, maybe a little, a little bit more. I was expecting a little bit more with um, some of the specific relationships. I did not anticipate as much Glenn as they did, but I thought that was actually really lovely. Oh, the hugging. Mm-hmm. The yeah, hugging. the hugging hits so hard. It's so true. On so many different levels. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the I-9 also hit really hard for me, but the hugging, yeah. man. Yeah. The hugging. I was expecting more with Dina. I thought that what they did do was getting like the best friend thing is Sandra was, was delightful. Oh man, the guy, the person taking like five carts and, and like, it was so good. Uh, it was very good. But, um, I, I, it was an interesting choice to not go as saccharine and to go more like, yes, you've been inviting these people into your homes every day because you're choosing to spend time with them. But these people, they just work together. So like they wish her well, but it's not going to change her their lives that she's gone. Yeah. And they're not going to pretend it does. So yes, like you said, it's more honest and more real, real to life, but it doesn't mean it's more satisfying. <laughs> so I, I would have, especially now, I would have taken a little more sap. Um, yeah. Any, any final thoughts? Um, I am... I am a little sad that Glenn's going to be back in charge as much as I love that character. I was really hoping for like a new character to be introduced and maybe they were planning to do that, but the pandemic kind of went, maybe it's best if we just keep our cast, our cast right now. Um, But I was hoping for like a new manager to come in. Maybe we'll still get that. Um, But yeah, other than that, I don't really have anything. You brought up the hugs, which was going to be the only other thing I was going to mention because woof, Mm -hmm. just woof felt it too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. um well then let's go to our next show which is wilmore november 7 2020 results they waited until the election was called to put this episode up because it came out on saturday did not come out on on uh, friday i don't know if that was a production issue or just they were behind or something but uh yeah what did you think of our you know where are you at with wilmore so far this season and what did you think of this episode Right. So as he notes in this episode, uh, the show's winding down. Uh, They've got a couple episodes left, um, unless Peacock decides to extend as a result of the impending potential coup, Um, which maybe they'll do. Maybe they won't. It'll just kind of depend. Um, And I'm still of the opinion that this show is generally okay. Um, I think that Wilmore, while a good interviewer, thrives on having someone in front of him as opposed to doing it on a big screen in an isolated soundstage by himself. Um, which is why, like, when my partner asked about it, I was just like, it's probably worth just watching for his little monologue at the top and then just kind of tuning out. Sometimes the conversations are good, but for the most part, you can also just kind of watch the highlights on YouTube if you need to and get the most of it. 
Uh, the only reason I really kind of wanted to mention this was they had Michael Steele on, who was the head of the RNC, which is the Republican National um, Committee, um, back during the Bush administration, I want to say, uh, the second Bush administration. Uh, but now Michael Steele is one of the main folks involved in the Lincoln Project, which is a just a grift and a horrible organization that has been fleecing a number of people for a number of years, um, particularly uh, folks on left hand left hand side of the spectrum um so i was very disappointed <laughs> that larry wilmer had someone on from the lincoln project um um even though like i i generally like michael Steele. um he's good at he, the stuff that he does and the comedy. yeah he's very good at the stuff that he does but this bringing on anyone from the lincoln project is just a bad thing to do um for a variety of reasons that i'm not going to get into here yeah but that no, they were responsible for for winning the election, despite the fact that more Republicans percentage wise voted for Clinton than voted for Biden. Yeah, no, that's that's not how <laughs> anyway, that works. Sorry, it's a conversation for another time in a different podcast. Different but, podcast, yes. yeah. But so I was just disappointed to see Michael Steele on. Um, I get mm-hmm. I get the impulse and I get why. And Wilmore does ask like one or two kind of pointed questions, but they're not pointed enough. They're not. He's not aggressive enough in that interview. Um, and it was just very disappointing to watch. Um, I honestly feel like The Daily Show did better by Michael Steele when they turned Michael Steele into a puppet. Mm-hmm. And so I was just very, I was sad about that. Uh, do you have any thoughts about this particular episode of World War as a whole as we kind of enter the home stretch of the show? Well, I've, I've liked a lot of the guests, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and I always love the ending segment. I want it to be longer. Yes, it's not the lightning round segment should be much longer. Uh, but they're, the, and those are always fun. And you can he invites on people that he knows and has a relationship with mm-hmm. um, so they can just enjoy. And, yes. and those are very, uh, you know, we really like the nightly show. Um, so I, it makes me miss that. <laughs> oh, how I would have appreciated having that on for the last four years, but mm-hmm. it's in an, an alt dimension, an alt dimension with a different uh, set of circumstances. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, I've, I'm still watching it. I still enjoy it. I, uh, you know, I always watch Amber Ruffin first, Yes, but I, then I go right to Wilmore and I will definitely miss him when the show's off. Um, so we'll see what he does next, but I mean, he's always working. He's always doing something. So whether he has another show that he goes to or just continues all of his writing work and behind the scenes work on many other shows, um, you know, his voice is, he's been around a long time, a very long time and, uh, shaping TV for decades and decades. So, uh, I'm sure there will be more from him soon. Yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, I'm just going to be sad when he's not on my TV. (laughs) Yeah, then he like he doesn't get to be the, the face the person speak. Yeah, the face and the voice definitely. Um, next is the Mandalorian chapter ten, the passenger, and we need a verdict, an important verdict, mm-hmm. Noel, on Eggate. Yeah, so absolutely cute or not cute. It's not cute. Like it's it's cute like the first time, but then he keeps. Yeah. Then Baby Yoda, uh, the child, keeps doing it. And it becomes less cute and becomes more worrisome about this poor parent not being able to fertilize, get her eggs fertilized. And that's... There's not that many in that thing. No, it's not that big a tank. It's not. When, like, they're out in, like, the pool thing on the ice planet, there seem like there are way more than there were originally in the thing. So, like, yeah, here's the thing. If they had not established that this is it yes. for her entire family line... Mm-hmm. 
like meaning she's not gonna lay any more eggs no like her entire like genetic family line is this container then it could be funnier right then you get more wiggle room but they set the stakes so high for this that you can't then just i mean it just (laughs) it just really strikes me as like who's in the room and giving notes and who's not who doesn't feel comfortable speaking up because that does not strike me as something that um I don't know anyone who's had any trouble with infertility or who's had, who's like lost a child who's had like, who's had a a miscarriage or, you know, like no one with that experience was speaking up in the room and the explanation that, you know, it's no different than chicken eggs, (laughs) which they gave uh, was really dumb because then you're comparing this lady, this frog lady who uh, we don't know much about her, but she's clearly had a hard time, and she's smart because she rewired a droid, exactly. droid and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to to a chicken, a chicken. Those are not the same thing. That being said, the individual scenes, like the timing and everything, was really funny, and like like all that was great. If it was just like chocolates that he wasn't supposed to eat or something, like do the, the exact same timing, the exact same like you know all that stuff, delightful. But, like, there's just such a disconnect. Like, so, like, I don't blame the child. He's, like, like it's, it's, it's very much a Roger Rabbit, you know. He's just written that way. <laughs> it's not his fault. Uh, but, um, clearly, there's just, like, it's one of those things, like, with Game of Thrones, with, with the Cersei and, and Jamie rape, where they're, like, they do not understand that this is rape. They should, but they don't seem to. So, since the show didn't realize they were making that choice... It's easier for me to disconnect that choice from the character because they're just really dumb. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, plenty of other issues there with that specific example. But like here again, like th- I don't think they realized what they were doing, yeah. uh, which doesn't make it OK. But it may- makes it easier for me to not blame the child. See, when he first was drawn to these, I thought it was going to be like a, you know, like I am this swamp creature and like i will protect the uh, like you know like and that he was gonna like be playing with them with his powers i thought it was gonna be something like like oh he's protective of them no <laughs> so Snacks. i don't know I've, I've been talking a lot no you're fine Do you have any other thoughts on this it no it was deeply frustrating like the first time it's funny because it's the first time and there's there's nothing really more enjoyable than watching the child eat something all in one gulp like it's deeply <laughs> satisfying to watch as a visual yeah but within this episode, watching it happen over and over again, everything that you just outlined becomes really starkly apparent. It's very kind of frustrating to watch, um, which is why I'm glad that there's a degree of comeuppance when we get our little alien homage and then just really scary snow spiders. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it just it, I liked it as an episode that did something very different for the show and all of that. But everything with the child and the eggs just rubbed me the wrong way. And I kept getting not angry or just frustrated a little bit that like everything you just outlined. Um, the only thing that eased my pain a little bit was Paul Sun Hung Lee from Kim's Convenience as an X-Wing pilot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so excited um, because Lee is a massive, massive, massive Star Wars nerd. Um, he has cosplayed and designed his own cosplay. Um 
um, as a rebel pilot, in fact, and actually had to show the costumers how to plug in the ejection harness that X-Wing pilots wear because they were having trouble with it, but he knew how to do it because he's built the actual thing himself. Um, so I was so excited to see him, and I was so excited for him because I knew he was a big Star Wars fan. So I was just like, yes! It almost makes Baby Yoda eating all those eggs a little bit okay because I got Appa. <laughs> <laughs> in a Mandalorian episode. Yeah, it, it, that was lovely to see. I always happy when any of the Kim's Convenience crew pops up. Um, eventually, eventually we'll get that big Marvel movie. Yeah. And maybe some people will go watch Kim's Convenience. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like the episode enough. Uh, I was fortunately very warned about the space bugs. Okay, good. Uh, so that yeah. helped. They're scary. Uh, but... And there's a lot, a lot of them. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't buy it for a second. Like, there are too many here. They're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be one of those, like, you know, the, there are limitless orcs until the sto- story needs there to not be limit- limitless mm-hmm. orcs. And then they're going to man- manage to survive and, like, have a whole giant hole blown in their ship. No other metal for them to fuse onto the ship. But somehow... Just a few hours later, he's able to put the whole thing back together. It doesn't make any sense. Well, he was able but, to repair the engine and everything, but that little gaping hole in the hull, they did not repair. Um, okay. Because he was able to, like, seal off the cockpit, but that was it. Like, they weren't going to be able to leave the cockpit after they flew off. But yes, everything else you're saying is reasonable. <laughs> yeah. But that ship is just constantly getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah, well, the clue they're going to need to go back and get some more repairs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, from Amy Sedaris, and I'm okay with that. Because uh, she would trust this person with her life yeah. <laughs> that she met 10 minutes ago. That bit was so, so good. <laughs> yeah. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, any final thoughts? Or if not, The Amazing Race. And you don't strike me as a Renaissance man. Because that was a delightful little exchange. This is my favorite title so far this season. What did you think? <laughs> it's a great title. And I was very happy with it. Um, I was very excited, as a number of other folks were, with the Drive Yourself stuff starting to kick in. Um, and I was glad that some folks had trained for driving stick, which is smart. It's one of the main things you need to do if you're going to go on The Amazing Race is learn how to drive stick. Uh, learn how to swim, learn how to drive yep. stick. And also maybe get over your fear of heights next week. Um, mm-hmm. All this kind of, those those are the three big things that you need to do when you get, when you're going to get on the Amazing Race, apart from just all the physical training, endurance stuff that you need to do. Um, the, I, I enjoyed this episode because the challenges were a lot, but varied um, in terms of what they had to do. So attention to detail, a major thing with an Amazing Race challenge in any way shape or form but this one was fun because they got to go into a cool room of art which is always great and then you had historical reenactors kind of which is also always great that quartet was good and the quartet was good too yeah so that on top of like going to go play the game uh the various games in the little um amusement hall i thought was also a really kind of fun low-key i would have been screwed Really, you think? I mean, do, doing the throw thing would have been the the ball maps yeah. would have been difficult, but um, no one seemed to have like a huge problem with it. Challenging, but you would have been screwed. You feel like? I mean, like if I needed to make up time, yeah. yeah I, the hand eye coordination is not my jam mm-hmm. outside of you know things around a classical violin, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like there are things, but like I uh, like I'm not. 
I mean, like, I can occasionally make the across the room into the garbage can mm-hmm. dunk, but that's about okay. it. So, yeah, yeah I know. just thought this was a good breather kind of episode. Like, none of the challenges were particularly mm-hmm. hard. No one seemed to struggle very hard with much of anything apart from um, the engineer siblings with locating someone yeah. in the, um, whatchamacallit, in the gallery. Um, but, like, no one struggled to make the whipped cream for the pies, it seemed like. Um, and that was just fun. Like, it's never not fun watching people get hit with pies. Um, well, especially, who was it? Was it Hung, uh, who was like, it's delicious. It's so yummy. No, no, it was, it was, it was, um, it was, was it pretty? Yeah, I think it was pretty. What's she was name? trying to eat it yeah. while they were hitting her. Because I'm glad someone yeah. was, because the, and that's how you realize that they're actually, like, full-on Chantilly cream yes. pies. Like, they baked delicious pies to hit them with. So at least there's that. That's so why you'd be like, I, I'm delivering these. And then after I've delivered them, I'm going to stand there and try to intercept yeah. one. <laughs> because I've been, because, like, they have, with the whipping up, of, I mean, hey, listeners, if you have never hand-whipped cream, it is a bitch. It is hard. It is, it takes forever. There's a reason, like, the one guy's like, let me see your forearms. And the guy was jacked because, like, it, you, it just takes, it's, it, it takes a lot. Yeah. It takes a lot. There's a reason we use mixers now. And there's a reason why, like, every, um, like, upstairs, downstairs kind of show or, like, older show that has a chef, the chef is, like, built because it takes a lot of physical strength to actually whip a full, like, jug of cream like that into stiff peaks or, like, enough that you can go upside down like that. Um, you know, and that's without using sugar or anything else to help, like, stiffen it. So, yeah, yeah, they could, they they had plenty of calories to spare, shall we say. So I was, I was sad no one got to enjoy a, a, an actual piece of pie. Yeah. Um, are you sad about the elimination? No. No? Yeah. Not at all, because they were too annoying. Uh, well, they were not too annoying. The one sister who was driving had been getting on my nerves yes. a little bit. Just, like, again, it's one of those people who I'm sure is absolutely lovely in person. Just this is not... Her milieu, this is not her thing. Um, because she gets when she gets stressed, she lashes out. Yeah. And she is and she like and the, the sister seems super chill and great and everything. And it was just not fun to watch her I think it's Michelle, right? Yell so, yeah. at her sister and then apologize and like, you know, because she doesn't mean it. No. She's like it's just that's her like under stress. That's how she responds. And so watching, you know, unless they were going to cruise through much of the season, it was going to keep coming up over and over again Um, versus the blondies who are not my favorite, but they very much were like, hey, you know what? We're going to do our best and stick in it. And and their personalities are more suited to being enjoyable to watch. Um, So if it was the one sister with somebody else, I would have been sad. But because I was starting to wear on Michelle um yeah I, I i'm not all that sad about it what did you think yeah i don't have like a strong opinion about it for the reasons you just enumerated like they it was just stress and one of them just doesn't deal well with stress so i was sad um in part because they got i don't like when people lose because of getting lost while driving it's like yeah. my least favorite thing to watch because i know it's part of the race but it's just really frustrating that that's what you go out on as opposed to one of the challenges set by the show. Um, even though driving in and of itself is a challenge set by the show and navigating is part of it, but it just, it feels a little less satisfying. I absolutely yeah. hear what you're yeah. saying, but I will disagree in that in this case, I think the reason they got eliminated was not 
the fact that, but it was the fact that they drove for five hours before they asked for directions. That is also bad. Yes. <laughs> that was the choice. They made a choice yeah. there. That was dumb. Um, so like, and, and maybe some of that's, you know, they don't speak French or whatever, you know, there's communication difficulty there, but like it was an hour drive back. So like when there's like six and a half hours in the car, right. Those, like it was like an hour drive to the to the portrait thing, and then a drive hour drive back. So that's two of the hours, but that means that it was an additional four and a half hours that they were just driving around Paris, lost, yeah. and that is too long for me to feel bad. That for is you. super fair. Like yeah. an hour or two, like easy to get turned around or like go the wrong way, and like and there's only you you don't know the exits, you don't know the layout, like yeah, but like four and a half hours. It's just just too long. That means you need you like you needed to ask, you know, like pull over, find a spot, and ask for help, like way earlier than you did. And and like I can't say that I wouldn't do the exact same thing. Like 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 I said, Michelle just is not suited to TV. Like certain of the like drag race, right? So certain people like are I'm I'm sure amazing drag queens. Just like they are not good to go. Their best self is not present. When you they are if they have to go on TV, um, and that would probably be the case for me. I would probably not like who I would be on that show under those stressors. I have a feeling I would get super passive aggressive, and I would be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Erica, don't hate me." Um, so I can't say I would do better or anything like that, but yeah, that really impacts how I view those sort of eliminations. And do you feel better or worse when someone gets eliminated for driving versus a taxi getting lost um i feel worse with when it's a taxi because it's it's not yeah, their fault too. it's just it's yeah. the taxi's fault i mean they can get out and get a new taxi depending on where they are but sometimes they can't because there's no place to get out um which is the worst um yeah i don't like that that's that's the worst kind of uh you lose spots to that that's the worst yeah no i i agree so like i because it was so long like i I absolutely agree with what you're saying. That's not an interesting way to get eliminated. Um, but, you know, I, I do I do also agree that it's worse when it's a taxi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oof. Yeah. there. I mean, there also can be, like, it's not a particularly glorious way to go out, but it's not an embarrassing way to go out either. So, you know. Anyways, I, I still have the same teams that I'm enjoying and rooting for. And uh, we'll see what happens next. Two episodes next week. Unless there's some other, you know, unless 2020 decides to 2020. Thank you for letting me know so I can pace myself on Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. Our our last episode of the week is 1980s week for the Great British Bake Off or Great British Baking Show. And I ranted a bit in my review. I have not gone to read the comments because, I mean, I I just have stayed clear of the comments all season. Um, I'm sure the the commenters are usually very lovely over at the club around uh, Bake Off. Uh, but just, I was like, I'm going to like take this already too long review. And I am also going to spend an extra several hundred words, probably like 500 words, just ranting about the show's approach to high temperature days or weekends or like filming schedules. Um, Cause it's a bunch of bullshit. I ranted about it on, on AV Club. Listeners can go seek that out. I'm going to cede the floor to you, Noel, because I know you have strong feelings about this as well. What did you think of 1980s week? So I like a, I like all the challenges. Like, I love the idea of the challenges. Quiches, yes, great. I love a good quiche. 
The uh, Finger Donuts, absolutely great. Never really seen one of these before, but it sounds great, and I would like to eat all of them, please and thank you. Ice cream cakes. I like ice cream cakes. Not like a big slice of ice cream cake, but I like an ice cream cake. They're good. This episode makes me hate all of these things. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes me upset. Um... And it makes me upset for, like, any number of reasons, but let's start with the big um, elephant in the room, which is the fact that these people don't don't have blast chillers. It's unconsciousable um, that they don't have blast chillers at this point in the show. Um, I get that blast chillers are expensive to rent, but if you're going to make bakers concoct frozen or deeply chilled desserts while you're shooting during the summer... On during summers that are getting increasingly hotter um, and that the UK in and of itself is experiencing more and more heat waves during the summer, along with the rest of Europe and indeed the rest of the world, not giving them blast chillers is not okay. I get that a number of contestants in this particular episode did just fine without them. However, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should have access to blast chillers. And this is a, at week at episode seven, the group is small enough that you can do blast chillers. Like I get it if you, mm-hmm. you're worried about not having enough space. Totally fine. But the fact of the matter is, is that those freezers are not going to be able to actually freeze anything when it's over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the tent. Well, it wasn't 100 degrees. It wasn't. That was an exaggeration. Oh, but it hit- no, the one this is like when it's like 40 degrees, which is over 100. But it actually was up to 96 degrees. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. It, like it start the day started out in like the 80s or like it like, got up to the 80s by the time that they were headed into the technical. And then it was in the mid 90s for the tech for the technical. And then the next day it was a little less, but it was still high 80s, low 90s. And that is insane for the I mean, and I'm sure outside wasn't that bad. But when you add all the lights, when you add all the extra people and you add ovens and all these other things, it's like ugh, every like because I complained about this, I think last season on my bake off coverage. And people are like, well, the whole point is it's supposed to simulate like an actual like home kitchen. It's like, yeah, but you know what they don't have in a home kitchen? Lighting rigs. You know what they don't have in, in a home kitchen? They don't have like breeze from out from outdoor. You can like temperature control your room mm-hmm. that you're cooking in, yeah. right? They like give the like do other things. And when they're down they're down to six bakers, don't tell me you couldn't have gotten a Blast chiller, one like you know, rented professional kind of blast chiller, and had them all use it. They could have done that, and they didn't. And something that only occurred to me like today, foolishly, they could have just switched the weeks. Yes, they could have just done dessert week last week because they knew that there was going to be a heat wave, and then done the ice cream one the next week. Because yes, I know quarterfinals versus not quarterfinals. They're like. There, there, there's a difficulty level that theoretically they're building over the course. Of the, yeah, I get all that, but it's going to be 80 to 90 degrees inside the tent. We can't ask them to do ice cream. That's dumb. And it's not going to make for good TV. Um, so yeah, like the other, uh, there's nothing we could do about it. We didn't know it was going to be this temperature. You don't have weather forecasters telling you it's going to be over hot. It's not even like an issue of like the weather forecasting. It's just the issue of you're shooting in the summer. You know, there's going to be heat wave when you're shooting because that's just what's happening now. Like, well, it's a matter of like of when the heat wave hits. So because if if this heat wave had hit in the previous episode, it wouldn't have been that big a deal. It wouldn't have messed up the steam buns. It wouldn't have messed up the crepe crepes, and it wouldn't have messed up the cakes. 
it happened to hit the week that they're doing ice yeah. cream. Or, you know, in previous seasons, the week that they're doing candy or, or caramel or chocolate. There's certain things that, like, are fit more finicky or finickier. Um, and frozen desserts is one. And then those couple other categories. And so, like, I get that they don't plan for that eventuality. But when that eventuality presents itself, your Channel 4, you've got the money. You need to spend yeah. it. You need, you know, like, they could. They aren't choosing to. And that's where I get really frustrated. Um, which leads into like the larger issue of this episode, which is it's bullshit that Lottie was eliminated. Um, well, who should have been eliminated then? Because I think she, sh- I think she was correct that she was eliminated. I think I that tiramisu cake must have been fucking delicious, considering that it looked really good to me. Considering that they could not stop eating his quiches fast enough, Dave's quiches fast enough, and that quiche and that Dave's donuts looked like baked potatoes. <laughs> Wait, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah, no, he did really bad in the end. Well, I, I've been really confused by some of the narratives that they are building mm-hmm. around the these bakers. Yeah. Because, like, clearly it was like a, well, is it going to be Dave or is it going to... Like, there was only a few people that were, were in real danger after the first day. Um, but, like, when they, were, when they decided it was going to be Laura who was going to get the Lottie or Laura narrative. Yeah. And I was like, but she presented a cake... That didn't look great, but was still a yes. cake and tasted really yeah. good. And Lottie had a puddle that didn't even taste all that good. So there's, again, there's not this back, you know, like instead of having the, and they also were like, well, Lottie's clearly in danger before the show started. Yes. But why would she be in danger? It didn't make danger? any sense to me. It made zero make sense, sense to me that Lottie was in danger no. for some reason prior to the showstopper. Um, because-, because she had one of the better signatures. Yes. And she did better. She was in the middle on the Yeah, technical. and Dave, again, Dave's donuts were baked potatoes. They looked like baked potatoes. And they couldn't, and like I said, they just could not stop eating his quiches fast enough. Like, they each took a bite and went, okay, that's great. Let's try the other one. Oh, no, let's stick up. Yeah. But yes, yeah, his quiches were one of the worst. So, yeah. yeah so I was just deeply confused and figured that tiramisu cake had to be just the world's best tiramisu ice cream cake. Um, but... <laughs> I always would like a more of a discussion yeah. about like, well, one person tanked the showstopper, yes. but did well on the other two. And one person tanked the other two, but did okay on the showstopper. So what are we going to, yes. you know, re- reward? And they don't ever want to have that conversation in a meaningful way. And it's annoying. Yeah. Um, my only other thing that I have about this um, episode is that Prue does not like baked beans, but because she's a goddamn professional, she eats the thing with baked beans in it. Unlike some people on this show, Paul Hollywood. I think they must have gotten a note from somebody about that because there is another thing that they kind of tease in the next episode that that uh, Paul doesn't like, but he doesn't. Like, and I don't know if he's, he could just be messing yeah. with them, but there's an element in the signature that three of the remaining five uh, bakers all use. There's a certain flavor or, or, you know, element. And, um, and the, so they make Paul talk about, I'm really over fill in the blank. And, um, and so that is, uh, inter- so, but, but he doesn't tell anybody to, nobody changes their recipe. So I have a feeling that the producers, after the whole no gherkins thing, um, pulled him aside and we're like, yeah, you don't do that again. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> because th- th- you didn't come off well. The editors, and the, like, there's no way for us to edit this and have you not look like anything but a jerk. Yeah, 
And then, like, Paul, again, Prue turns around and goes, like, I don't like baked beans. I'm not asking you to take these out, however, and I'm not going to do that because I have to eat this. Like, that's just how this works. That's what this is. Unless you're allergic to it. It's what it is to be a judge. Yeah. I Then you eat the thing yeah. that they serve you. That's your whole job on this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and... um uh, uh, Paul also mentions that he doesn't like baked beans either. Yes. But again, they they didn't ask them to change because they. I, I really think there must have been a note yeah. about that or something, uh, or like Paul did the whole no make one without gherkins for me while like the other executive producers weren't like really paying attention kind yeah. of situation. So, yeah. Um, are you excited about Hermine getting her star baker and now officially everybody's had one? I am, and I'm excited about the spread of Starbaker we've had this season as well. Um, it does kind of keep things interesting, um, but I am rooting for Laura um, Hermine um, to win the whole thing. I think Peter probably will end up carrying it, though I've joked with friend of the show, Corey Barker, that just because Dave is so boring and so weirdly inconsistent that he will probably win the whole thing somehow, but mm-hmm. I will lose my mind if he does. <laughs> Well, I won't say anything about the next one other than I will say that I ended up really enjoying it's a little bit of a slow start, but I ended up really enjoying the next episode. So I look forward to your thoughts on it. Um, yeah. Well, what when you what when's your week in TV? Oh, great question. Um let's see. Um I don't know that anything really stuck out real hard this week. Um, so I guess I'll give it to the amazing race. I had a good time watching it. Um but Bake Off did also just make me so angry. So that was also a good sign that at least it hit, made registered. Yeah, um, you're invested. Yeah, I guess, but I'll give it to The Amazing Race. What about you? Um, I will, I mean, I, I finished a bunch of repair yeah. shop, so that's in contention for me. Um, what else could it be? Let's do, uh, I did really like, I enjoyed another DuckTales, right? It's not an all-time or anything, but it was it was cute and fun. Um, the power of friendship. Um, so I, then Amber Ruff and I, again, I always enjoyed, I'll give it to, you know what I'm, despite, because it invoked such a passionate response, I'll actually give it to Bake mm-hmm. Off. Um, not so much for what was in the episodes, but for like, it's an effective episode, even if it pissed me off. So I will I will give it to Bake Off this week, I guess. Um, now we'll take a break, listen to the theme song, and come back with our discussion about Living Single. We'll be right back after this. That was the theme song for Living Single, which is was a, a, a really prominent uh, sitcom in the 90s. It started in 1994, a year before Friends, and went t- till 1998. I don't know specifically what happened. I just know it was pretty suddenly canceled. Uh, people were really yeah. surprised when that happened. But it stars Queen Latifah as Khadija, and then she's got her cousin, Kim Coles, as Sinclair, who works at Khadija, uh, runs a, um, a, a magazine, flavor magazine, independent, um, uh, like, 
local magazine. Um, her cousin Sinclair is her assistant and works at the magazine. And then they uh, have a couple of their friends and uh, Sinclair and Khadija are roommates with Regine, who is childhood friends with, with Khadija. And then there's Max, who is Khadija's friend from college. Um, so, so this is again, Queen Latifah, Kim Coles, Erica Alexander, and, and Kim Fields. Um, so the, uh, there's this dynamic. Then there's also the two, uh, male neighbors or the one neighbor, um, who is, uh, a stockbroker, Kyle. And then there's Over- Overton, who is the handyman and ultimately ends up as Kyle's roommate so that there's a reason for him to be around more. Um, and then, and, and Sinclair and, and Overton are, are love interests and then like a couple for most of the show. Uh, so now I was familiar with this somewhat from like reruns and like seeing episodes here and there, obviously um, at the time or shortly after I was very familiar with Queen Latifah, um, but not so much with these other actors. Then uh, like coming back to, it, I was like, Oh yeah, Kim Cole's obviously she's terrific. And yes. Yeah, like, yeah. like, and like recognizing a bunch of people um, that I've seen in lots of stuff, but like, I certainly would not have been aware of at the time in the 90s because I, you know, when this aired, I was like 10. Um, so uh, I had a lot of fun revisiting this. We used um, in front of the show Angelica J. Bastien's list that she did for Vulture of 11 best episodes to watch on Hulu. So we'll put that in the show list. You guys can check it out. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I had positive connections to this, but I didn't really remember much about it. Um, I'm curious what you thought of the show and uh, what you said you hadn't seen anything from it. Did you know anything about it? Oh, no, I absolutely knew things about it. Um, but like, I never actually watched it before. Um, I'm obviously familiar with uh, Queen Latifah and Kim Coles is, as you said, just great. Um, and Erica Alexander is also really, really great as well. Um, cause Erica Alexander has been on Black Lightning off and on for a little while. Um, and she's great on that. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I had never actually seen an episode of it. However, um, part of that was just Fox was kind of tacitly not allowed in my house for a very long time. Mm. Um, because of just the sheer edginess of Fox. Um, we were not allowed to watch a lot of Fox programming. Um, I think the only Fox programming I was allowed to watch was sliders, mm-hmm. um, which was not edgy at all. At some point um, we'll have to do sliders, but I don't know if sliders we can should live up to sliders. us watching it again. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think we, I don't, I think it'll be, I think we will both be very disappointed, <laughs> um, but maybe we should do that anyway. We should just figure that out anyway. Um, so I've never, I'd never actually seen an episode of Living Single prior to watching this. I, I'd seen a number of clips. Um, I think I'd actually seen some of the clown stuff in one of the episodes actually as a clip, um, which is a weird pull, but the rest of the show I just had never seen and was not familiar with, even though I knew like the general premise of it. Um, but yeah, I'd never seen it and I enjoyed watching it in part because it's such a solid nineties throwback. Um, type of hangout sitcom. Um, but it also, like we kind of talked about with Girlfriends as well, that it very much is sort of of its time in terms of what it's doing, how it's talking to its audience. Um, even though I also enjoy some of the slightly more experimental stuff that we get in one of these episodes where um, Latifah's character like does a direct address every now and then, which is fun. Um, but 
Do you yeah. know the the deal with that direct address? We're talking about no. listeners. There's an episode where the three of the roommates are uh, vying for the affections of the new neighbor. They had like a vote. You could call in and vote for who oh, should is that who the guy worked? should pick, and so okay. that's why at the end. So I'm sure they filmed all the different ones and they right. just spliced yeah. in the right one. And so when she looks at camera, says, "You did this to me." She was talking to the to the viewers oh. at home. That's delightful. Mm-hmm. That is just delightful. I love that. That is beautiful. Oh, God. Remember when you could do that kind of thing with broadcast TV? I yep. I barely remember. Um, so, But I did enjoy watching this as well. And you mentioning Friends, I think, is really significant because both Friends and Living Single were produced through Warner Brothers Television. And Warner Brothers Television clearly had a favorite, and it was not Living Single. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, where do you want to start? I only managed to watch nine of the episodes um, that Angelica chose for her piece, um, as opposed to all the 11. So I didn't watch the two season four episodes that she chose. But I was glad that I got to watch the one about uh, Khadija uh, getting um, going to therapy, which is a great episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's just fabulous. Yeah, it's um, really good. But that was the last one I got a chance to watch. Um, so, but how did you how did you feel, especially like as you revisited it? Uh, some of these episodes as well. Well, you know, I, I had seen episodes before, but I don't remember which ones. I would like, you know, like kind of the thing where like just it's reruns in the middle of the day and like you just happen to catch it kind of a thing as opposed to it be like it wasn't like a show that was on at a set time and like in college, for example, that I had between classes. So I would watch every day. It mm-hmm. wasn't one of those. Um, so I didn't I didn't remember any of these specific episodes, um, you know, from having watched them. But, you know, it's very it's very 90s. Um, it's very broad. It took me a little bit to get into the swing of it because like it, it because it is very broad and very nineties um, with it's like how the sketches of the characters, but I ended up really, you know, like Queen Latifah kind of takes a little bit to settle into Khadijah and feel comfortable as an actor. She's come such a long way in her other performances since then. But, uh, but like you could like with the pick and mix kind of way we did where we watched, you know, these different episodes that Angelica recommends. Um, it was really neat to watch her grow as an actor mm-hmm. over the course of this, the run of the show. Um, there was, you know, that you mentioned that therapy episode, which I think is terrific. The, this like talking about depression manifesting as mania is something that I still feel like you don't see represented nope. on TV. Um, and I thought that was really neat. And like, there was a lot of really interesting stuff going on on with these characters that I was invested in while it was still, you know, a rather like wacky broad show mm-hmm. um, of the characters. I think I actually enjoy uh, uh, Erica Alexander and Max the most. She's like, that's my character for this. It's, it's like Max is one and then Khadija. And then it depends on the episode between uh overton and sinclair and and regine uh and then there's a big old gap and then i guess kyle can stay um only if it's late kyle because when i talk about the show being very 90s i had so many problems with kyle and there's like this d- dynamic they set up between Max and Kyle of like this, like they're always like shouting insults, insults at each other, trading these barbs back and forth. Um, and they hate each other, but they love each other kind of a thing where it's like, no, he's just sexist and terrible for the first. And that's supposed to be like, oh, see, she's insulting me because she really thinks I'm super hot and wants me. She can't handle it. It's like, no, 
not early on like that that dynamic they do build it and by by the time you're getting kyle's like spotlight episode about is he going to change his hair the firm like there's then they build in depth eventually but it takes a while to get there and so like knowing you know because i knew that they were going to build to the two of them having some sort of a relationship and i was just like this Oh, how am I possibly going to get on board with this? Because I want to see more Max, but I can't handle Kyle. They eventually won me over, but it it was rough going there for a while. Did you have a similar reaction or were you more on board with, you know, this again, very, not, they're not trying to be, they're like, look at this sexist guy. They're like, no, he's the witty, you know, fast, sexy, you know, young up and coming kind of like moving his way through his business kind of character. I think he's supposed to be cool. Um, just really hate them. What did you think? No, the, that whole dynamic is deeply 90s um, and also just deeply forever comedy as well. Like, I, I don't want to pigeonhole that just solidly in the 90s. The 90s saw like a huge use of it. Um, but it's, it's but, also much ado, right? It's the same right, kind of it's, thing. It's, yeah, it's much ado, it's cheers, it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also really appreciate that I just jumped from much ado to cheers, which tells you how I conceptualize the canon listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um <laughs> he is correct, by the way. Yeah. But I do think that like the show is so aware of that dynamic as a concept, which is why, like, in the fourth episode of season one, you get a all right, the person I hate, you're going to pretend to be my boyfriend because my ex-boyfriend, who's very successful now, is here, and we're going to do a mistaken identity dinner party thing right now. Fourth episode into the show, um, which is bold. Um, Like, that's just bold. Um, But that episode gets me on board. Listeners, uh, the episode is uh, season one, episode four, A Kiss Before Lying. And that episode just gets me on board with their whole dynamic. I do not disagree with you about how Kyle comes off, which is misogynistic and just kind of not even low-key terrible, just very mean. Um, Like like Overton, run away. Don't take any dating advice from this guy. (laughs) Well, and he kind of doesn't because then he's with Sinclair and they're both on the same wavelength. And how dare you rank Sinclair so low? Um, She's (laughs) clearly the best. Um, and I, I say this in part because I think Kim Coles is fantastic and She's I love her good. on this show just yeah. based on the nine episodes I watched, but Kim Coles is also just great in general. Um, but I just, yeah, I, it just, it's so part and parcel of that kind of a character and that kind of a dynamic that I just kind of have to roll with it lest it just destroy my ability to watch the show. Um, so I was generally on board with it, but I do agree with you that they reconfigure him. But the con, the general concept of him is like this suave playboy. Um, just it hits really well. And I think that TC Carson does a really great job of hitting both the sheer ridiculousness of this man as a, as a Lothario and like thinking he does think he's God's gift. Um, but also finding like subtext basically and little bits of interiority that yes, come through as the character develops, but in season one, all you're going to get is text. Um, and that text is this, the, the barbed wit type stuff that is still very much, much ado, but just a little meaner because of how explicit it is as opposed to based in wordplay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and and we do get some really good Kyle episodes. Like I said, the one yes. at the firm where he's got to decide about if he's going to um, change his hair mm-hmm. um, to get a promotion. That's season two, episode 13, a hair-raising experience. Uh, and we cannot not mention season oh, three, episode eight. He works hard for the money with the legendary Eartha Kit. Fantastic. Wonderful, delightful. How upset is the rest of that cast? I know, right? That they get no time with Eartha Kid and T.C. Carson gets every single scene with her. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I mean, I imagine everyone was on set. Like, it's a sitcom. Everyone's there. But they don't get any time to act opposite Eartha Kid. <laughs> and that's just mean from the writers to do that to everyone, to just corner off Eartha Kid for one character on their very good ensemble that they have um but that episode is really funny <laughs> yeah oh we should mention the the psychiatrist episode is shrink to fit season three episode 19 um so in case you're looking for for those and you know i always enjoy jasmine guy who plays the psychiatrist uh, yeah. when she shows up because i remember i was introduced to her on touched by an angel which is another show I hope she never put any more energy into, but I watched that as a child. Um, Wait, and she was, what, what show you broke off? Did you say Touched by an Angel? I just I want to make sure. I did say Touched by an Angel. Okay, that's what yes. I figured. Okay. Let's, let's, let's drag I that out into the light. On, you know, we watched plenty of CBS in my, hold, my household growing up. Um, uh, yes. Well, because she was also like the like the devil character. So, of course, she was the more interesting character on was that. she i forgot oh yeah i completely forgot she was untouched by an angel man we should do touched by an angel now, no we too. should not i'm good <laughs> leaving that i am class. voting that we do touch by an angel next week <laughs> um you listeners you'll find out who won that when you get back to the podcast next week um the the other one that i wanted to make sure to mention was like an episode that normally i wouldn't enjoy too much but um season two episode episode two i love this game features uh cheryl miller uh as a, a basketball rival of Khadijah's mm-hmm. um and you know of course she's amazing Cheryl Miller is amazing and I th- like I think it even though again like it takes her a couple scenes to kind of like settle into the delivery and everything it ends up just being absolutely delightful it has for me it was shades of um the ds9 baseball episode right manufactured victory <laughs> and everything um but that was another one that you know it, it's just so neat to see the show figure out different wavelengths they could put these characters on to suit the strengths of the cast and to to be like queen latifah loves basketball she's good let's let's work that in and they do it and like and then they have cheryl miller on um and the same same with like we want to give kyle a spotlight episode let's bring on like and we'll have eartha kit come on there are several other um guest people that like like cch pounder plays maxine's mom like i need to watch that episode that's such good casting. It's such good casting. There's like there's a bunch of really amazing people who pop up in this. Uh, the other character that we have not talked about that is a recurring on and off character, but I feel like we need to talk about is Cress Williams as mm-hmm. Scooter, the the like the love interest for for Khadija over the run of the show and the yeah. eventual like um, off into the, the sunset. OTP. Yeah, yeah, the OTP. Uh, I, I like said so he's such a baby. I mean, obviously he's not as a grown ass man, but like you know, like still like because it's from you know the nineties. It's like it's like oh, it's little baby Chris Williams. Well, it's not only that, but like in the episode we were talking about earlier um, with the uh, direct camera address, that was baby Morris Chestnut. Yeah, um, they're they're just they look so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I. I, 
you don't get like a lot of Cress. You get just enough like kind of Cress Williams across these episodes, and he's very funny in these episodes. Um, they don't ask him to do a whole lot. Um, he's a little more of the straight man for this, but he's still just kind of delightful in all of these. And I think that there's also a good degree of like specificity about the character that we get through like other certain things. Like, so he's got like a dream team Olympic jersey on in the basketball episode, which is great. Um, but also like his whole deal of music and touring, I think works really, really well and helps explain him not being on the show and then coming back and then being off again for a little while. And so I I really like Cress Williams in this, and it was good to see him in something else as someone who has not watched um, the other CW show he was on, the name of which I am blanking on right now. Um, Heart of Dixie? Heart of Dixie, Heart yeah. of Dixie yes. Um, which I, I'm told he was also very good on, and I mm-hmm. do not doubt that. Mm-hmm. He's very good. He's very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really charming show. Uh, like, like a character, for example, like, like Obi, uh, like, it's easy for Overton to get very, very old, but Henton makes him work. And, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and it's, and especially in contrast to Kyle, right? And, and filling yes. out the group dynamic. Um, like, like Regine, like she's, Regina isn't always my favorite. She's the one that I feel like has the hardest time with being too broad. Yes. Um, and that's, that's, I think for me down to the writing more than anything, but you know, I loved when she got to play like PI on the, the, the school, you know, like on the hunt for whatever was going on with Maxine. Um, and so when they give her this, you know, like even really ridiculous stuff, she just embraces it and goes all for it. Like I, I had a lot of, like the more we talk about it, the more excited I am to go back and watch some more of it. Um, yeah. whereas at the time when I, when I was first watching it, um, you know, especially when I was starting the earlier episodes, it was like, yeah, this is good. I remember this is good. But you can see how this was is like a foundational text for for especially black sitcoms, um, but mm-hmm. all sitcoms like American yeah. 90s sitcoms. It's very much that same energy. And it's like the the fact that uh, I mean, not enough people uh, put it on that same tier as like friends. <laughs> like and they should, because I think like the best episodes of Friends are amazing, in my opinion. Um, and the, an average episode of Friends is good. And there's a bunch of bad ones, too. Any show that's on that long is probably going to have that happen. I think the average here is just as good. And I haven't seen enough of the episodes to be able to speak to the very best, like, to, to compare it. But I certainly look forward to spending some more time with Living Single and really enjoying the time with these characters. Yeah, I think I'm going to check out some more. And Angelica has uh, listed another uh, small handful of episodes throughout her Vulture um, article um, of things to check out, which I will probably be sure to check out those episodes in particular. Um, Did you have any other final thoughts or or things you wanted to mention? No, you covered it really nicely, actually. So I don't really have anything to add to it. Go check out Living Single, guys. It's on on Hulu. It's super fun. And you will not regret your time. And <laughs> watch something just fun. And go back to an earlier time. Not a simpler time. A simpler time for us, because we were children. But not for the world. Um, and 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 spend some quality time with this with this cast in the show. You will not regret it. And then you can let us know how you rank the various characters on this. And if I am indeed blaspheming to put Sinclair as, like, third. So low. <laughs> third out of six is not bad. <laughs> 
but fair enough. It's just low. Okay. <laughs> a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. And you can also find uh, us in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well as over on Stitcher. And then we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. First, Kate, thank you so much for a great week. And second, mm-hmm. listeners, we will not be needing Touched by an Angel because I don't feel like paying for CBS All Access. For yeah. a joke. For a joke, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not a good reason. Not maybe when the good fight comes back around, we'll get back to we'll get back to Touched by an Angel. We'll circle back. Yeah. Well, we'll let you know. We'll keep you apprised, listeners. Um, but thank you, Noel, for another lovely conversation. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Thank you.